It's Jen the Builder. And Corey. And it is time for Take the Elevator, the final Wednesday of the wonderful month of March. Indeed. And we have been celebrating women. We've had a few women come join us and share their stories, give their insights, their wisdom, and just all sorts of crazy love to any listener. I hope that you guys have had a chance to partake in that and that it's benefited you in more ways than one. I know for a fact that it benefited me and I just really had a good time listening to their stories, their encouragement and the just the build up. It's been a great month for this wonderful opportunity to listen to these phenomenal women. But today we have the most phenomenal woman in my life. And this woman has been in my life all my life. And I don't have very many people that I can say that about. So we're going to have a great time with her today. We are. And I love that that right there, guys, is our agenda for today. We've talked about this woman, man, since January and kind of taken our listeners on a journey with us and expressed how we felt through this time, what we're celebrating today and just how blessed and how thankful that we are that she's here. Yeah, that's huge. She is here with us in our studio. Alive and well and in the flesh. Every day, elevate. Every day, elevate. Would you rather? I would. (laughs) It's that time. (laughs) Let's pick a number. Let's do it. What number would you like, Jen? I would like the number 48. Okay. Any particular reason why? Yeah. Because you know what's crazy? I was just going to say because that's how old I am. But I don't know if that's how old I'm going to be. That's how old you're going to be. Ah, you see, my mind has kind of stopped at 35. I had to think about how old I am once 35 hit. Really strange. So I'm 47, going to be 48. So I want to pick 48. Yeah, mine hasn't stopped yet because I want to get to a certain number. And once I get there, then maybe it will stop. But we'll wait and see. Okay, got it. So number 48, would you rather have annoying friends who are loyal or cool friends that are shady? Oh, (laughs) what? really? Really? Annoying friends are loyal. Cool friends that are shady. Neither. You have to pick one. You got to play the game. Okay. um, I'm going to go with annoying friends that are loyal because being shady is just too weird. Like, what does that really mean? Are you a drug dealer? Are you a thief? Are you a liar? Uh, I don't want to have to pick between those things. I'll just I'll stick with the loyal and annoying and at my age, I don't need cool friends. No. <laughs> like I think I'm pretty cool, so I think I'll manage that portion of the friendship. All I need is one cool friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think friends annoy each other at some point, so I can deal with annoying. Yeah, if you're friends, you're going to annoy each other. Yes, but loyalty, that's a characteristic, that's a trait that a lot of people don't have. A rare commodity. Yes, unconditional, tough, thick and thin. Ride or die. What are some other phrases for loyal? I believe if I go into the ones I know, people will be like, what is he really talking about? Like from the womb to the tomb. Hey, I like that one. (laughs) From the womb to the tomb. That's it. All right. Well, I hope that you guys are friends that are loyal. And if you do, take the good with the bad. Let them be annoying and be grateful that they're loyal. And not shady. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every All right, we are back, and I have been waiting for this moment for quite some time now because I knew it was coming, and I knew that it was going to be an exciting moment for myself, and I just hope that you guys are ready and willing to receive her and enjoy this little journey that we're about to go on. So in the studio today is my one and only mother, Miss Jean. So let's welcome Miss Jean. Come on in here. Yes. Thank you. You're very welcome, guys. So uh, we're just going to get into this story. And if you hear a little bit of a, a wheeze or a couple of coughs, it's not because she's sick. She's just still getting better and on her road to recovery. Yeah. So, Mom, um, you've been out for some months now, and it's been a blast to just have you in the home and be able to enjoy knowing that you're safe and sound. How does it feel to be home? Wonderful. Wonderful. I just thank God that I have a family who accepts me as I am and welcome me into your home. I have a wonderful, beautiful daughter-in-law that I call my daughter and a wonderful son. He is one of the best sons that any woman could ever have. And I thank God so much for him. Wow, that's incredible. Jen, why don't you jump in here? We'll tag team and go back and forth. Yeah. So if no one has heard previous episodes, we just want to lay what's happened here. Mom, you had COVID and you were hospitalized in what month? In November. And that was before Thanksgiving, wasn't it? Yes. So, and then you were discharged and you were able to go home this year. Yes. Right in January. Absolutely. So yeah, so for two months, our mom was in the hospital for covid and two months, we were not able to see you. I don't think we were able to talk to you till a month in it. So there's a lot of questions that go on in my mind. And of course, you and I and Corey, of course, have had these conversations. But anytime you tell the story, it still hits me like it's the first time. I know if Corey and I were scared and we had moments where we just cried because we didn't know how to be, what to do. You know, it felt very helpless and hopeless at times. But I would love, if you don't mind, just to share your story and what that was like for you. You know, you go into the hospital. And what were you thinking when you finally do go? Well, first of all, I didn't realize how sick I was. I just thought I had a little cold or something. And there was things going on that I didn't recognize. Also, by the time I really figured out what was happening to me, my husband took me to the hospital because my son called and said, Mom, there's something going on with you. You need to go to the doctor. And I said, I'm going to go. And he said, Mom, are you going to the doctor? I said, yes. Well, I didn't go. And so that Monday, this was on a Friday, that Monday, my husband said, you're, you're not better. We're going to take you to the hospital. So we did. I went in. They checked me in, did my vitals. The next thing I know, was two months later, I woke up in the convalescent hospital of a rehab. I didn't remember anything from the point that I went into the hospital until I woke up. So for me, that was a wonderful wake-up call because mm. I'm still here to tell you guys about it today. And I thank God so much that I am here. I am a walking miracle. Yes. When you were there, Mom, and I know you said that you went in and then two months later you woke up, you're in a convalescent home. 
while you were there at any point, did you feel like I'm fighting for my life or were you just that out of it that you didn't even have those kind of thoughts? I didn't have those kind of thoughts in the hospital, but in the convalescent rehab center, when I finally got to come to myself, then I realized I'm still here. Mm. And I was like, Lord, because now I realize that I can't get up out of the bed. I can't do anything for myself. And they started giving me therapy mm-hmm. and got me to able to stand, to walk. At that time, I couldn't walk when I first started. And it scared me because when I went in, I could walk. Right. And that's such an eerie feeling for you to go in a place and then all of a sudden you get, they tell you to stand up and you stand up and you can't. So that was really hard for me. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I'm thinking, Lord, Thank you. Thank you for giving me a second chance. And I was so thankful because you just don't know how good it is. You don't know how good you have it. You take for granted that you can get up every morning and walk around and do whatever you want to do for yourself. But when you get to that point where you can't help yourself no more and you need others to help you, but I can't help but to tell you, it's a blessing to be able to know that. God is still on the throne. And when you asked him for something, believe that you're going to receive it. And I said, Lord, I got to get well. I got to get better. Help me get better. And guess what? He did. So I'm going to take us back just a little bit because she doesn't remember a lot of this story that I actually remember. And I know when she first went into the hospital, we had a long conversation because she was still in her right mind and could communicate with me. She had told me that she was worried about herself passing away. As a son listening to his mother, I was very concerned about this and thinking, I know what has happened in the past with other people that have been at this point, and I don't want to face this. I don't want to see this out the way it's looking. And then the doctor informed me that he was going to be putting her on a ventilator. And when he told me the amount of time that she was going to be on there, I literally lost all hope knowing she was going to be on a ventilator for three weeks. I just thought to myself, this is it. And and I don't know what to do. And I don't know how to survive this and communicate it to other people like my family, my wife, my children. This woman has been a mainstay for as long as they've been on the earth and definitely for as long as I've been on the earth. At that moment, I wasn't ready to accept the final destination being death. I was ready to throw in the towel because I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to accept that final judgment. At that point, all we could do was pray. And we had many people praying for us and sending positive thoughts our way. Mm -hmm. And it's strange because when you're in that situation, you do pray and you do talk to God. But people telling you, you know, I'm thinking about you. I'm wishing you well. I'm hoping things uh, work out for you. It means a little bit more than what it did in the past because— This is your family. This is your mother that's fighting for her life. And she's told you, I don't want to die. So what do you do? Say, well, God, take her anyway. Of course not. You want her to survive and you want her to come out of this. And so what I realized was that this was just a long waiting game. And three weeks is a very long time to just wait. (sighs) One of the people that had been on the show, uh, Janet, pulled me into her office and she had a long conversation and she just let me be who I was. She wasn't expecting me to be something that I wasn't. She didn't expect me to be strong or she just 
let me be who I was. And we just talked and had a heart to heart conversation. And she said some of the most positive reinforcing things to me and just put me in a very comfortable space. And, and I thank her for that till this day. But knowing that this was the journey that we were about to be on was very troubling for me. And thinking now back where I was, I really don't know how I was able to hold it together going to work on a daily basis. But there was nothing I could do but go to work. Couldn't go to the hospital. Um, once she's been intubated, we couldn't call her. We couldn't send text messages or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It was just a waiting game. So I just wanted to give people clarity on that, on how that process took place. Yeah. So speaking of waiting, I got to be there with you, Corey, and see. And then, of course, when you said, we're going to make a call to mom. Mm -hmm. You know, first, let me just say, every news that we got, mom, I think I told you this, it felt really negative. It felt like, you know, because all this stuff had been happening in the country, you heard death after death after death. And so that news just kind of settles in and you just in your mind, that's what you're expecting. Yes. When we heard that you were recovering, it was a shock. You know, it was a jolt. Yeah. Like mom is surviving this. Yes. And so when Corey said that we were going to get to talk to you, I was like, really? And I think, Corey, you had talked to mom already. Well, yeah, I had spoke to her, but I knew she wasn't, she didn't Coherent. have all her, yeah, she didn't understand that it was me. But I got to just touch on what you were saying real quick, because when she came out of that, it was a shock and it was overnight. It was literally, today's Monday, she's intubated yeah. and she's not doing so good. And then Wednesday, we're bringing her off the, the ventilator and she's going to be coherent. You can call her. And I'm like, I didn't even know what to say. I was like, oh, so well, what do I do? What do I say? And me right then was just like, I'm just going to vomit on her. I'm going to tell her everything that I've been going through. And I was like, no, no, don't, don't do that. Let her vomit on you so she can tell you everything she's been going through. But the process was that because of the tube that was in her throat, she wasn't able to speak. She was limited with the functions that she could do. So it was one of those, okay, so I'm going to do the majority of the talking and all she can do is listen and nod her head up and, and nod down. Her head, yeah. yeah. Mom, do you remember that conversation? The first one that you had with Corey, is that a blur? Uh, I don't really remember it. I hear you guys talking about it. I think that's how come I remember it because you told me. Mm -hmm. But as far as me remember it, I don't remember it. Right. I remember the second time. Okay, tell us about the second time. I saw both of you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we were able to talk. And you guys was asking me, how was I feeling? How was I doing? And I was doing good. I had no pains, no aches, no anything. I felt wonderful. And you know what, guys? I feel wonderful even now. I still don't have any aches and pains. Mm -hmm. Only thing is if you hear my voice, because my voice is much lighter than this, and right now, well, when I come home, I had pneumonia, and I'm still getting over that. Mm -hmm. And I'm so thankful because the therapists that came out to work with me, they all had the same thing to say about this virus. It's different for everybody. For me, I couldn't taste in the beginning. I couldn't smell, and I couldn't get my breath very well. Mm -hmm. And even now, I'm excited, so <laughs> that's why <laughs> that's why I'm kind of breathing hard now because I... I get excited. And when I found that I get excited, I say, you got to slow down. You got to slow down. But it's kind of hard to slow down when you're so happy about the things that happen to you. And every day, 
every day. I thank God that I'm still here. I'm alive and well. And you know what? If you believe, and I remember one night I had a roommate, and she couldn't talk because she had it also, and she was incubated. I woke up, and I was like, I got to get out of here. Lord, help me get out of here. And then I felt like there's nobody. If something happens to me, nobody knows. This is before I talked to Corey and Jen. I said, there's nobody to know that I'm in here and what I'm going through. And you don't know when you're in those convalescent hospitals, everybody is not nice. You think that those people are there to take care of you, and they should be. But by the same token, everybody is not alike. So therefore, there are things that happen to you in there that you like, wow, you need a nurse and they don't come. When you need a bedpan and you can't get it and then you can't help yourself, you're just there at their mercy. So it's a blessing to have your family members. Don't leave your family members in a convalescent or a hospital without talking to them or trying to get some kind of, have some kind of communication with them because you don't know what's going on in there. So you got to be able to communicate with them and you got to let the staff know I'm present. I'm here. You can't just do this to my family member. Yeah. You have to let them know. So on that particular incident, I just thank God that people like my son and my daughter was here. And like I told them, you just don't know. They took their home and rearranged it for me. I couldn't go upstairs because that's where the bedrooms and the bathrooms are. And so uh, to take a shower. So for five weeks, I didn't get no shower. (laughs) And that wasn't too cool, but of course, I I, I washed up, of right. course. <laughs> but they took their dining room and turned it into a bedroom for me because I couldn't lay in a regular bed. I, I'm still in a hospital bed. And they put a wall in that room, put a door there. They did this out of the kindness of their heart. So if you got family that would take care of you and not ask any question and ask anything of you. So I am ended up over here with my son and my daughter, as I said. Jen the builder. <laughs> <laughs> when she says that, it's so funny. It is. Uh, we, you know, we've been taking the elevator up for a while now. Yeah, we have. <laughs> and I'm glad to be on that elevator. Oh, you know what? And I, and you can just push all the buttons you want to and go as high as you want. <laughs> and they let me. That's yes, the good. We do. <laughs> that's the cool thing about it. So. The thing is, I just, and I asked them, I said, can I say this is home too? They say, absolutely. And I was like, yay. You know, because to me, there's no nicer word than say home. And when you say I'm going home, that means a lot. When you say I'm going home and your family member really makes you feel at home because you can go home with them, but that don't mean they really want you there at the home. We're taking you in because you ain't got nowhere to go. <laughs> but yes, this was a beautiful wake-up call for me and experience. And I've always believed that God, knowing that anything I asked him, he would do it for me. And this is not the first time that I've been close to death. And I just praise God for it. And if I may, could I tell a little bit of that story? Mm-hmm. When Corey was about eight or nine years old, he was in the, the Saints. So anyway. They were going to have a game. If you're familiar with those that are live in the San Bernardino area, when you go up to 215 to Victorville toward Barstow, the terrain is kind of high and rugged. And when you get up there, if it's raining and snowing, you're going to have a hard time if you don't have change to come back down. Well, we didn't have it, and it started snowing, and we were on our way back down. 
It was myself, my son, my daughter, and my my mother-in-law. So at that time, I've never driven in snow. So we were coming back down. I had the car in the regular gear and just drive. Well, I didn't know I was supposed to have it in the second or third gear. So we were coming down, and the cars that was behind me stayed behind. The cars that was in front of me stayed in front of me. But the, this is the killer. On each side, there was an embankment. So every time I, the car would go to one side, it was like God's hand was there to pull me back over. Every time we get to the other side where it's going to go over, he pulled me back over. We did this all the way down the hill. And by the time we got down the hill, one of the, the coach said, you don't know how to drive in snow? And I said, no, I sure don't. They said, oh, you have to always drive in the low gear. But going back to what I'm telling you is that we could have been killed. I could have, you know, went off the embankment and killed my son and my whole family. So I thank God once again. That was another second chance. So you see, you have many second chances, but you got to realize and recognize when God steps in and take over those second chances. I just want to cover one thing, Jen, before you jump in there. I definitely made sure to know exactly where she was at every moment when she was in that transitional mm -hmm. period from uh, Kaiser to the convalescent hospital. And I definitely made sure to stay in contact with all the staff and all the personnel. I made my presence very known with all of them. And on top of that, I built relationships with them so yeah. that they didn't feel like I was just using them to get to my mom. But I wanted to know them by name. Mm. I wanted to call them by name. And when I call, they would know my name and we would be able to converse. Yeah. And so I found that that was an easier way to communicate than to just demand things and say, this is what I want. Where's my mother? Are you right. taking care of her? I had a comfort in most of those situations that they were doing what they were supposed to do. Uh, their job, number one, and then what their heart was led to do, which was the right thing for a patient that happened to be my mother. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. So husband, children, it's good. Like Corey just said, it's to keep in contact with the physicians or and the staff members and even your own family members that are taking care of your loved one. If you can't be there, make sure that you checking in. Corey took off two weeks to be able to stay home with me and help me through this transition. And Jen as well. She was working from home, but yet she took time and she would ask me, Mom, is anything you need? Give me a call. And when Corey went back to work, she was right there to help me. So do I appreciate them? Absolutely. Holy. And I thank God so much for this beautiful family that I have. And we're thankful too, Mom. You've completed our home. You know, great addition to Thank our you. life here. <laughs> but mom, I just want to see you to hear, tell your story about using your voice in a convalescent home. As if you guys can't already tell this, mom has always been very outspoken and she lets it be known, you know, what you're thinking, how you're feeling. You have shared some funny stories about how you stated things and your concerns, but you knew how to pace it. You knew yes. not to be offensive. You knew that your life really was in their hands. Absolutely. And you use your voice. Yes. You know, and I remember you telling me that to get their attention, what did you do? You threw something I like threw down the, the hall. <laughs> <laughs> I threw the cup out in the hallway because I needed to uh, get a hold to the nurse. Yeah. And I kept 
uh, turning the bell on uh-huh. so it could ring for them, you know, so they could right. come. And they never came. So I needed them right then. So since they wouldn't come, I called them and they still didn't come. So I took my cup, a little plastic cup, and threw it in the hallway. And when I did, they come running down. And <laughs> they said, came running. They said, what is wrong? What's wrong with it? I said, I've been calling you for 15 minutes and you haven't answered. I let them know that you can't just do me any kind of way because you think I'm too sick to move around. And I was ready to get out of that bed. And at one point, I did get out of the bed. Of course, they didn't like that. But like Jen said, by the same token, you have to know how far to go. And I am in these people's care. So I wasn't going to make no waves. Right. (laughs) Come up dead. Right. (laughs) Like, what happened to her? We just talked to her. I mean, there's so much we can share. And so I just want to give a brief summary, Mom, of some of the things that you've shared with us. So over a year ago, you know, I just had this image, Corey, when you played in the band at the company we work for, you at a concert there. Mm -hmm. And Mom, you were there and my team got to meet you. Other employees got to meet you and you were dancing and you, <laughs> you're you just a very alive woman, very uh, beautiful, <laughs> graceful. To see you in this element, you learn to move around again. You're starting to cook on your own. You're pretty self-sufficient. It's so impressive. And, you know, yeah, you have issues right now with breathing, but the doctors have said that's part of the remnants of COVID. And so you've accepted that and you're working through it. And we're praying for healing even in that area. And one of the things that a lot of people may not know about you is that you were a singer as Corey sings and very musically talented family, very gifted. And I know that's been one of the harder things for you in your recovery. Yes, it has been because it's very hard when you're used to singing and singing out. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you can't do that anymore. I spoke with the doctors the other day and and, uh, they told me, said, you have to rest your voice if you expect for it to get better. So I guess I've been talking too much. And and here we are having you on a podcast. (laughs) Doing an interview. (laughs) Mom, you just told on us. (laughs) So anyway, it's good, you know what, to be able to sing again and praise God and just sing out of my soul and out of my heart. I love that. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking forward to the day when I'm better so that I can go back to singing. Absolutely. We're looking forward to that too. Mom, we'd love to have you back. First, I just want to thank you for taking the time to share your story Mm. here. I mean, it's a miracle. Your life is a miracle. And I am blessed to be sitting not even six feet away from you and be able to hear you and see you and smell you and take you in. (laughs) And I'm just glad because Corey and you are it. You know, for those who don't know, Corey's dad has passed away as well, along with your sister. This would have been a huge loss, a huge grieving for this family. And every day we're thankful. I'm thankful I get to wake up and hear you and say, baby, is that you? (laughs) Yes, mom, it's me. (laughs) Well, you know what? I just want to say one more thing. I'd like to thank all of the people who prayed for me during this trying situation. And I thank you so much for your love and and for you wrapping your arms around my son and my daughter and letting them know that you are there for their support as well. You know, sometimes we just think about that person that's sick, but the family members are also going through. So you need to make sure you 
Wrap your mm-hmm. arms around them and let them know, hey, I'm here for you. You don't have to say anything. You know, it's just the fact that I'm here for you. If you wake up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and you can't talk to anyone or you can't go anywhere or do anything, just listen. Sometimes it's better just to be able to have somebody to listen to you. So I want to thank all of you guys mm-hmm. that pray for our family, pray mm-hmm. for me, and I pray that you guys will continue to pray for me, and I'll pray for you. I may not know your name, but I can say God knows your name. And to the staff that my uh, my daughter was, was telling you about, thank you so much, yes. all of you. I appreciate that. Well, you know, we always say to look up and let's elevate. During this time, I just want to really define what looking up meant to us, and that was looking up to the one who is able. And if it was his will to heal, that's what we were praying for. So when you know us to take the elevator, we say look up and let's elevate. Every day.